Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. I want to go into the book of Exodus. Do we get out at noon, Pastor? Pretty close. We got a lot of ground to cover and a little time to get there, so let's get into it. Exodus chapter number 3, let me read to you a few verses there, then I'm going to jump over to the book of Hebrews and read to you a few verses there, because I do believe that I have a message from the Lord. In fact, the song selections this morning, I feel like just confirm that. Beginning in Exodus chapter 3, verse number 1, the scripture reads this, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. As we move forward into the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews gives us some more insight into Moses. Let's take a look beginning in the 11th chapter and the 23rd verse. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, which the Egyptians, are saying to do, were drowned. And so I just want to title the message this morning, Are We There Yet? Father, I thank you for this great day of celebration and accomplishment. I thank you for brother and sister Pate and their family. Thank you for the church. Thank you, God for what you're doing in the world. I pray this morning that you will anoint me to declare your word and that you'll cover me in the blood of Jesus, that you'll open every heart and every eye and every ear in this room to receive your word that will grow in your grace and in your knowledge and in understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, would you say amen? How many of you have kids in this room? Let me just see your hand. Let me see. A whole bunch of you have kids. Have you ever loaded up to go on a trip with the kids? And you get in the vehicle, and you don't get very far down the road until invariably a question is asked out of the back seat. And the question goes something like this. Are we? You've heard the question as well. Are we there yet? I mean, they start asking it on the edge of town. And so you'll have that question. If you go on a several-hour trip, you'll have that question asked 40 or 50. And depending on the personality of the child, they may ask it 150 times before you get to where you're going. Because they're interested in the destination. They're interested in the final point. They, They don't care anything about the ride from the house to where you're going on vacation or the trip or the special occasion. They're much more interested in what's going to happen when we get there. 
And isn't it that way in our life? We're interested in when we get there. We're interested in the destination. We're interested in the event that we're trying to get to in life. Certainly today represents a milestone event in the life of this church. You realize that the average tenure of a pastor straight across the board in the United States of America is somewhere between 18 and 24 months. So you can say that you've reached a milestone by having 10 years. You know what we call that? A decade. A decade is a long time to have spent together with a pastor and his family in the kingdom of God. And so what an incredible milestone. But that's just what it is. It's a milestone. In that journey with your kids, uh, you get on the highway and you start toward where you're going and along the way there are these things that are called markers along the road, mile markers. You know about them. They'll give you a mark along the highway that says you're at this mile in this journey and they'll just count down or count up depending on which direction you're going, where you are in the journey. And so it is in life that we we have milestones or mile markers that identify where we are in the journey. Now, if you were to read our text this morning, you would believe that Moses has arrived at his destination. You'd think, man, he's there. After all, this, this event in his life, this burning bush experience certainly must be the apex of his existence on the earth. This must be what God created him to do. I mean, who else has ever been at a place where they experienced a theophany, a physical manifestation of God, and even a Christophany, for it was Christ himself in the bush that was speaking to the man Moses. I mean, this must be the place, and we find ourselves at those moments in life where we feel like we have arrived. But in fact, I come to tell us this morning that we are not there yet, that though you are 10 years into the journey together with your pastor, You are not there yet. You are at a great place. You are at a monumental place. But there is far more yet to be done for the kingdom of God than has already been done. Amen. In fact, it has been proven by statisticians that study church growth that really it takes five years for a pastor to even be accepted fully into the community in the church that he pastors. Do you realize that? Five years. Five years of just deciding really this. We like him enough to keep him. Not just the church, but the community, because any good pastor is involved in the community, is known in the community. It takes five years for that pastor to look that community over and to look that congregation over and go, you know what? I know him pretty well now five years into this, and I think I'll hang around a little bit more. And then from year five to ten, that five-year span, they say that a church with that pastor will get more done in that five years than they did in the first five years. They really set about working. And so when you look at the first ten years of a pastorate in a church, it's really the last five years that the most is accomplished. But listen to this. Statisticians say, as they've studied church growth, that a pastor that's at a church from ten years to fifteen that he and that church will get more done in that five-year span than they did in the previous 10 years combined. And if he is uh, fortunate enough to stay at a church from year 15 to 20, that they'll get more done in that five-year span than they did in the previous 15 years. So think about it this morning. Yes, it's been said by those who visited by way of a video and even by Brother Blake this morning that the best years are yet ahead. But I just come to tell you that the next five years you're going to get more done in than you did the last 10 years combined. What an exciting thing to think about. Amen. Moses is at a 
pivotal point in his life. He's standing at a burning bush. The Bible tells us that he's out on the backside of the desert in Horeb. He is now 80 years old. He is not a young whippersnapper anymore. But to appreciate him at 80, standing in front of the burning bush, we've got to really go back and look at his life. And I'm going to say it like my old, uh, I believe it was... uh, algebra teacher used to say in school he used to say sit up straight and listen hard we got a long ways to go and a short time to get there and so that's how I feel about this this morning you need to sit up straight and listen hard and I'm going to do my best to get us to where we need to go in the next few moments so to really appreciate this moment in his life this defining critical moment we've got to go back now Moses will give God two rebuttals because God in this particular moment of his life is going to call him and commission him to be the great deliverer of Israel. He's going to tell him, I want you to go back into Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go and lead them out with a strong hand of deliverance. And he will give four rebuttals to God. I just really want to concentrate on two of them because they are probably the most significant as we think about his life prior to the burning bush. The first thing that Moses says to God is he says, who am I? Who am I that I can do this? I mean, God, who am I that I can go back there and say anything to Pharaoh? We we just sang the song, didn't we, that said, I am who you say I am. But now, really, the answer to that question is strictly hinged upon the second question's answer. Because the second thing that Moses says to God, he says, when I get back there, I've got to tell him who sent me. So here's the second question. He said, who are you? You can't really know who I am until you know who he is. Okay? So your identity is strictly confined to the fact of his identity. And once you know who he is, then you can really come to know who you are. Then you can understand why he created you and why he has you on the planet and what he wants you to accomplish. And so to really see that about Moses, let's go back and visit his life. The writer of Hebrews tells us that he was born in a very precarious time in the history of Israel. He was born when Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had made a decree, a law, that any male child of the Hebrews that was born should be drowned in the Nile River. So think about it with me for a moment, that Moses was born with a death sentence on his head. He was born destined to die. But when he was born, the Bible tells us, if you study the whole story, that the Hebrew midwives feared God, and they wouldn't just throw him in the river. And the Scripture says in Hebrews that his parents realized that he was a good child, and they weren't willing to do what the king had commanded to do, so they hid this baby and spared his life. You see, when you read the story of the burning bush in chapter 3, you could be enamored with the fact that Moses is standing in the direct presence of God. You could stand in awe at the fact that God is speaking to him. In fact, it's so profound that God would say to him, as he turns aside from his daily function in life to see this great sight, God says to him, take the shoes off your feet, for the ground whereon you're standing is holy. I mean, we could look at it and go, wow, God, you you brought him into your direct presence. What an incredible place that Moses is at. And we could stand there and not fully appreciate how he got there. Let me just tell you something about your life, and let me tell you something about your pastors today. Ten years into this journey, people would look at this church, and they would say, man, they've got it. Look at all, they got this great facility, this great building, these great people, these great pastors, these great programs, these great ministries. But they can't really appreciate all of that 
if they don't know where you've come from. Because every single person in this room has a history. Every person in this room, you are the sum total today of everything that has happened in your life up to this point. You are today exactly what you are and who you are because of everything you've experienced and how those experiences has molded you and shaped you into the man or the woman that you have become today. And I'm going to tell you that you won't be in 10 years what you are today. For there are yet experiences that you're going to have. Some of them will be good. Some of them will be bad. But you'll have experiences that will mold you and shape you and form you into something that yet you are becoming. And so when we look at Moses, he was born in a horrible time with a death sentence on his head. But mom and dad said, we're not going to throw him in the river. We're going to spare his life. And they hid him at home until he got too old to hide. See, in the early days, them newborns, they're pretty quiet, even their cries. We've got five daughters. I know something about going on trips and being asked, are we there yet? And I know something about little bitty babies. And I can tell you this, in the early days when they cry, it's not real loud. But you let them get a little age on them. You let them get a month, two, three months into this thing. Now their lungs have developed. And I've heard some kids that can rattle the rafters when they cry. And mama said, hey, we got a problem. He's getting old enough. Somebody's going to hear this child crying and they're going to come to investigate. And so she made a little basket out of reeds and covered it in tar and put him in it and went down to where she knew Pharaoh's daughter commonly came to bathe. Why did Pharaoh's daughter bathe in the Nile? Because it was a religious thing for them. They believed the Nile had powers. And so she went down to bathe in the river because she felt like it was a religious sanctifying experience. And no doubt that, that mama placed him exactly where she knew that, that, that the daughter of Pharaoh would come to bathe. And when she gets down there, she realizes there's some something in the edge of the grass growing in the Nile and she picks it up and when she picks it up and opens the basket the Bible says he began to cry and she looks into the face of that little baby and something miraculous happened in the heart of Pharaoh's daughter God struck an arrow through her for that little baby lying in that little basket uh, gained her full attention and affection and she instantly desired him to be her son I want you just to consider this for a moment that he's born with a death sentence, he should die by the very decree of Pharaoh. But now Pharaoh's daughter has fallen for this baby. And immediately Miriam, his sister, comes forth where mom had hid her in the rushes to, to watch what went on, came forward and said, hey, I know of a Hebrew maid that can nurse him. I know someone that's able to, to go ahead and nurse him as a child. She said, well, then you just go get her. We'll do that. And so here's what Pharaoh's daughter did. Pharaoh's daughter said, I'm going to pay Moses' mom to nurse him and bring him up to age so that then he'll be able to be delivered to me as a healthy child. And so think about this. Pharaoh's daughter puts him on the payroll of Pharaoh. Isn't that something? Pharaoh said he should die, but Pharaoh's daughter puts him on the payroll of Pharaoh. Some of you in this room are not at your burning bush yet. Some of you are way back here at the birth of Moses. You're at a hard, difficult time, and the devil has been telling you you're not going to make it. You're not going to survive. You're going you're to perish. You're going to go under. You're going to be defeated. And he's been mocking you and scoffing at you and scorning you. But I come to tell you today that the very Pharaoh that's got the death sentence on you, if he's not careful, God will move in such a way that you get put on the payroll. Of Pharaoh. Amen. These are critical years for Moses because now he will spend the next 12 years on mama's knee. 
Why is that critical? Because she starts pouring into him who God is. As a child, she teaches him about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. How that he's a God of covenant. How that he's a God that never fails. How that he's a God that created all things. How that he's a God that's made promises to his people Israel. And for 12 years, he would be instructed in his Hebrew roots. He would be brought up in the way of God, Yahweh. And so she would pour into him. And then at age 12, he would be delivered to the hand of Pharaoh's court where he would be raised as Pharaoh's grandson. And for about the next 18 years, uh, he would be taught in the schools of Egypt. He would learn the civil code and the law. He would learn how to be a military commander. He would learn all of the custom and traditions uh, of that mighty nation. Why would this be critical? Because God's going to send him back, and he needs to know about the nation that he's going to come into to lead the people out of. And so he would grow in stature and become a full-grown man. All of us have these places in our life where we grow, where we grow, where we grow. At age 40, he walks out. He's now a grown man. And he sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew. Because remember, the Hebrews are slaves and have been for hundreds of years. He kills the Egyptian and buries him in a shallow grave. The next day, he comes out and finds two of his Hebrew brothers fighting, and he scolds them and says, why are you fighting? Why are you mistreating your Hebrew brother? And that Hebrew said to him, are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And he realized he had been made. And Pharaoh said, I'm going to kill him. So he fled the land of Egypt and went down to Midian. And when he gets to Midian, he runs into some girls at a well who's trying to water their daddy's flock. He waters the flock for them, ultimately finds the favor of Jethro. Jethro gives him his daughter to be his wife. He marries her. They have a son down there in the land. And for 40 years, he tends sheep on the backside of the wilderness. And we pick the storyline up at what I would call an intersection of destiny. There he is for 40 years. What did he learn in that 40 years? I mean, the first 12, he learned about his Hebrew roots and God. The next 18, he would learn about all of the laws and the commandments and the military leadership that he would need in his life. And then then there's some years there that he matures as a man. Now for 40, he's been on the backside of the desert in solitude and silence. He needed to learn some patience. He needed to learn how to really just slow down and listen and wait on God. Don't all of us need to learn that? We need to learn how that God doesn't always move on the timeline when we want him to. But we find him at this intersection of destiny. And God shows up. At Horeb. He's just doing what he does, taking care of the sheep when he sees a bush that's on fire that will not burn up. So he says, I will now turn aside. Man, there's a whole message in that. Sometimes we just got to take a time out from life and turn toward God. Get away from the busyness of all of it. And so he turns, and as he approaches the bush, as I said earlier, God commands him to take the shoes off of his feet because the place whereon he stands is holy ground. And as we move toward conclusion this morning, I want you to see this, that it was critical for Moses to respond to the presence of God. Because really when we think about this moment of Moses at the burning bush, it's really about a moment in the presence of God. And it's the presence of God that brings definition to our life. It's the presence of God that really tells us who we are. It's in this moment that he's going to cease to be a man of exile, that he's going to cease to be a son of Pharaoh's daughter raised up as an orphan child, or that he even ceases to be 
sheep, a boy that was spared as his mother had the courage and faith to hide him. No, it is here that he's going to be transformed in the presence of God into a leader that God will use to bring his people out of the bondage of Egypt. Not only that, but he's going to be transformed into the man that God will meet with on the mountain and give the entire Old Testament civil code and the commandments of God that the whole human race would be able to see the pattern of God's justice throughout all the world. This man is at a place that God wants him to be, but he is not there yet. Because the burning bush is not the end. It's the beginning It's the beginning of the greatest journey that Moses will have. The next 40 years will see him lead them out of Egypt by miraculous power. It'll see them wander in the wilderness through their unbelief, a generation dying off. He'll see water flow from a rock. He'll see God strike people dead on the spot. He'll see God give them victories that they were untrained to accomplish. He'll see the mighty and powerful and miraculous hand of God as God does what God promised him would do. And I'll tell you today that for all of us in this room, we should be at a good place today because we are in his presence but he is yet preparing us for what is yet ahead there is more to be accomplished in every single life and it must begin with us recognizing this is a critical moment for each one of us could I get someone to come play a little something listen I could preach about an hour and just get started on this but I want you just to get the meat of it the meat of it is today is a significant day but you're not there yet. Individually, my dad, uh, we, we grew up in an environment, dad uh, always learning, always growing in knowledge. One of the greatest gifts my dad gave me was just a hunger to learn. In fact, I, he never said these words to me, but this is how I would describe what dad put in me, is be a student of life. My dad's one of the few men I know that can sit in front of the TV and watch uh, Jeopardy and answer 80 or 90% of the questions. I can't do that. He can't. Uh, well, just this will give you a little insight. Dad, at, at, at age 70, got his doctorate in theology. 70 got his doctorate in theology. Dad still pastors. Now, the only, only real issue I have with Dad is he's a Baptist. He just hadn't gotten his light and enlightenment yet. He hadn't got his eyes open to all the truth yet. <laughs> My dad pastors. I grew up in a Baptist uh, church, and uh, at age uh, 15, 15 and a half, got filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in other tongues. That's what that does. That changes. That's, that's, a, that's a burning bush. That changes the course of your trajectory. Okay, so, but what I want you to see is that What dad put in me, God has really put in all of us. Don't stop growing. Don't stop learning. Where you are is a great place in the presence of God. Now, now you may be in a horrible place. If Moses was writing a book at age 80, he probably wouldn't define these last 40 years as the greatest years of his life. Taking care of sheep in an obscure environment. But he's at a great place because he's in the presence of God in front of the burning bush. And if... If you were to say, Mose, what about it while he was there? What about this burning bush experience? Have, have we made it? Are we there yet? As he communes with God, he realizes, no, we're not there yet. Far too many people build their house way short of the neighborhood God wants them to live in. I'm talking spiritually now. They build their house way short of the neighborhood God wants them to be, live in. Don't be satisfied 
to stay where you are. You're not there yet. There's still places to go with the Lord. There's great things God's going to do in the future through the leadership of Pastor Billy and Pastor April. God's going to do incredible things right here at the river. There's no doubt in my mind. And I'm excited about it. Would you bow your heads across this room? Close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, would you simply slip a hand up and say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Will there be one among us? Listen, you'll never be surrounded by people who are more for you than these people that are in this room right now. We're for you. Would you slip your hand up and say, I know that I'm not where I need to be with the Lord this morning. How many would just do this, would say, Pastor Sean, I, I love the Lord and I'm a Christian, but I feel like that I'm going through some difficulties. I'm facing hardships. Remember, Moses, Moses had some hardships before he got there, and I didn't get to spend much time there. I could have spent a lot of time on each of them. But you could say, I can relate to that. I know that, that I'm at a hard spot. I've been going through some stuff. Would you just slip a hand up? I'd like to just see your hand. Just make that acknowledgement. Because it's in the acknowledging of the difficulty that we come to the understanding that God gives us victory over it and through it. All right. How many would say, I, I, want, I want that burning bush experience for me. I want to come into his presence and there receive definition to who I am and thereby get the marching orders for the future that you had ahead, the goodness that you had ahead. Would you slip your hand up and say, man, I, I've got mine up because I sure want that, Lord. Amen. Amen. Stand across this room. Would you do that? Let me just pray. I'm just going to pray from here this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I've kept you past 12, but I want to just pray for you, and I want you to receive right there. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this great church, this, this great pastor. I thank you for everything that you have accomplished. I thank you for, for the history of the church and what, what you have done. But, Lord, more than anything, we thank you that we're not there yet, that there's yet things to be accomplished and done for the kingdom. And, Lord, today, in the name of Jesus, I, I lay my hands on Pastor Billy and Sister April today in the presence of their... Just stretch your hands up here toward Pastor. Would you do that? Sister Michelle, step over. Lord, we just, we just speak over them blessings today. And we realize, God, that where they are is a result of all that they've been through to make it to this point in the journey. But, Lord, we're asking for a fresh burning bush experience for them, God, that, that today, Lord, you will bring them near to your presence and that in that presence, God, you will give them new definition for the future, God, that you'll give them new vision for the horizon, Lord. We speak blessings over them and the ministry you've called them into. And we thank you, God, that what's ahead is great. Lord, we bless them physically in their bodies, emotionally in their minds. We bless them in their spirit that their cup would overflow. Lord, that everything they set their hand to would be blessed by you. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Would you say a big amen? We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burt Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after Ripley.
shore You say come to the 